speak moron as well as you, but let me try. What the hell is supposed to do, you moron? It's a moron. That's not against the law. Gun! You fucking moron! I stop like Batman. Because he is Batman, you moron. What are you, a fucking moron? Ah! You moron! Drop dead. Moron. Stepping morons like yourself. Be down, you moron! A hey, moron! It's not like us to be unorganized, though, is it? I, I, I miscalculated by a day. Like, I wasn't actually. I actually thought I was doing it properly. But, <laughs> I, I, I Daniel, I'm looking. I'm looking at you on the camera here. And you ever watch the the TV show Bottom? What do you think I look like? Like male. You've got a, like, a proper Rick Mayo look going on at the moment. Aye, <laughs> man. I need to do my hair. Do you remember Drop Dead Fred? What a film that was. Very weird movie. It was one of those ones as a Wayne, though, that I thought was hilarious. He really climbs underneath the lassie's skirt in the middle of the thing, and he's like, cobwebs. <laughs> I, think was, I think I used that joke for about 10 years after that. I think uh, I remember what seeing a thing about that where it was marketed like the completely wrong way. It was like marketed like it was a scary film or something like that, or something like that effect, and nobody went to watch it. I think it was oh, a big. I um, bottoms one of those ones that I went back to a couple of years ago and I watched like three episodes of it, and it's actual god awful to watch. Oh yeah, it's but it's the worst thing. It's like it's obviously marketed towards adults. When you, when you watched it as like a really young, like 10, 11, 12-year-old, it was the funniest thing ever. Um, but the one that I couldn't take to was the young ones. Oh, I'm the opposite. I like the young ones. I think the other ones are straight. Bottom's straight. The young ones is good. But I've, no, I've not watched the young ones in a long time. But listen, we're not here to talk about bottom and the young ones. Just uh, an observation on Daniel's look at the moment. He's maybe going to have to put a wee selfie up on Instagram so everyone else can see what we're talking about. <laughs> as he goes from Rick Mail to Kurt Cobain in the space of two seconds. But movies for this week, guys. Welcome in, morons. Um, I've totally forgot how we typically start these off because we put the record on a wee bit early. Um, who? It's been a late one tonight for us. Somebody decided to go out and have dinner instead of his commitments. Um, the responsibilities of this team are disgusting. We've got one that never does his trivia. Yeah, it's actually done not... this week, so you can take that back. Oh, you bastard. Do you know what? <laughs> Fair play to you, Hunter, because I just assumed that you never, so I've got some trivia going in the background as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've got faith in you. I've got faith in you. Um, but we've not decided an order in which we're going to speak there, so we're just going to pick on individual people. Um, we are here to talk about misery and fury. Um but before we go into this, this was the most difficult week to watch movies, by the way. A TV scheduled movie, I'm not used to allocating a time slot throughout the week to watch a movie. So, for instance, I knew Misery was on uh, half past 11 or whatever it was on Tuesday. Um, and I've only just watched it today, but I had to find a stream to watch it on because... I forgot to record it on my Sky TV, so I never actually had it. Um, let's not do a category like this again. No. <laughs> On-demand movies, please. I had a... Go on. Tried to stay up the other night to watch it, I ended up falling asleep, so I ended up paying six quid to buy it off Amazon yesterday. 
<laughs> Similarly, did you not just record it, Hunter? No, I've done it on live, eh? Like, must guy go up and just off the PlayStation, so I can right. actually record it. So I've got the same issue as Hunter, so I missed Fury, so I ended up paying two pound, uh, three pound fifty to watch it today. So between us, we spent about twenty quid early on. Week it was meant to cost us nothing. It's so funny that we're in twenty twenty two and we're that used to on demand anything that the concept of actually watching it at the allocated time, which we would have done as kids, but we 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 weren't doing that to the point where we didn't even think to go back and like put it on record beforehand so we can watch it later. Um, but did anybody actually watch these movies in the allocated time that they had for the week? Yeah. I recorded them like a normal person would do, but I didn't watch them when they were on telly. I did. Uh, oh, on you go, Sean. I was just saying they were undead late. <laughs> I, were, it was too late for me. I, I stayed up too late on Tuesday. Um, it was past my bedtime, but I had the authentic sit and watch it as it was scheduled experience. Quite enjoyed it. It was weird. I felt like I was a kid again with adverts. Obviously, Daniel, would it, did it no annoy the shit out of you when you had to wait on all the adverts and that? Aye. <laughs> yeah, but then you could like pause it, go for a piss, come back, and then fast forward the adverts. And it's one of those movies where you really don't want adverts. It's like it builds tension all the way through the film, and then suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh, buy a new Cleo. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> just not got the same lure, but. Um, of all the categories that we've had to select movies from I was quite excited about the movies but the actual experience was stressful because waiting to Tuesday to watch Misery and then missing the the showing of it and then going actually I'll just have to buy it or find a stream to watch it on and then we're recording on the Thursday so then yeah Left it far too late, but maybe next week's movies, once we've got them allocated, will be a bit of a better experience. Um, let's talk about Misery, first of all, guys. Uh, Misery out in 1990, a Stephen King novel. Um, after a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realise that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. I'm going to come to Daniel first of all because I do know obviously Daniel has experienced the book this week as well. <coughs> yeah. Um, Daniel does I, work, guys. He doesn't just sit all day, every day, listening to audiobooks and watching movies. He does actually. Um, to Ella's like unhappiness, I'm listening to a book probably 90% of my time when I'm not working. Like, I've caught. <laughs> Oh, who said romance was dead? <laughs> she gets so annoyed at me just going like, what? What? Um, so at the start of lockdown, to give a bit of background for this, at the start of lockdown, I just decided myself I wanted to try and listen to every single Stephen King book. Um, and I've done like 42 so far. Um, and I hadn't done Misery. So I did that and watched the movie this week. Um, and so the book was like, 14 hours, 15 hours, plus the two and a half hours in the movie. <laughs> in a week, that's mad. Uh, an embarrassing thing, and I'll send you this into the chat after. Um, my year to date um, listening time on Audible is over a month. <laughs> a month <laughs> of your life spent listening to Audible. Just this year. But do you know what? It's so funny because... 
I had a little phase of listening to audiobooks, uh, did like the Sandman and stuff. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, I just don't have a time for this. But I know this week alone, I've watched a full season of Suits. I, I just do it like, I listen to a book where I'm going to bed and everything. I'm a loser. Anyway, moving on for that. Film, talk about films. Um, I actually see how the category we were talking about we were all a wee bit stressed out by, but we ended up with two films that I'm really glad that we got. Um, this one especially, because it's never even come up in a category before for us, and I'm really glad we got to watch it. I love this film. Um, I think Kathy Bates is absolutely unbelievable in this. Um, she's super creepy. The way the tension's built on this is amazing. It's a really simple story, but it's done so well, I think. The, I'm interested in Burnsy's thoughts on the sledgehammer to the ankle. I've got a feeling like... <laughs> <laughs> Struggled with that bit a wee bit. Um, I'm very unsure about whether Burnsy will either absolutely love this or hate it, and he's kept his face quite deadpan here, so I'm not sure which way he's going to go. Um, there's loads of bits in this that I like that are quite iconic. Um, obviously, the sledgehammer to the ankles, which just like hobbles him. But like even early on, when you just see the disgusting mess that his legs are in, like, it does a, a good job of showing that like he's totally fucking helpless. Um, but even like the first bit where she like completely snaps, like it just fucking instantly, you know what the movie's going to be about. You know the sort of journey you're going to go on. Um, the one thing that Stephen King, I think, suffers from is he's not very good at ending movies. Um, I think the only thing that stops this being like one of the very top films that we've watched is that I don't think it ends particularly well. Um, he just sort of... One day man used to get away and then he sort of sees her and he's sitting having a meeting. It's a bit of anti-climax to everything that was going on. I think it should have ended with something a bit more exciting. Um, I was comparing it a lot to the book though, because it was weird because I've been I was listening to the book pretty much side by side with watching the movie. So it's all sort of muddled up a little bit in my head. I'm trying to think of bits that actually happened in the film and didn't only <laughs> happen in the book. <laughs> I'm going to move on to Burnsy for this one, right? And I'll just jump back in when I, uh, I want to comment. <laughs> Burnsy, before we go to you, the age-old question, was this a first-time watch? You'll be shocked to know that it was. And also shocked to know that I've not read the book. <laughs> well, but I'll I, listen to it. Listen what to books it. have you read, Burnsy? And Liverpool's 1996 album doesn't count. Uh, I've read Stephen Gerrard's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I can't have read the last. I don't read books, so I don't know the last one I read. It would have been Sun on Holiday. I would have read, but probably Sun Sport related. Jamie Carragher's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever read um, a fiction? You ever n- never read a fiction book? No, like, I have, but it's you're talking like. Like, not for school. <laughs> not for school. Twits. <laughs> <laughs> the twits um, is a banger. I, so, Daniel had said to me that he thought this was going to be in my top 10 movies that I'd watched or something, some sort of comment about that. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't sort of follow on with what Daniel was saying. I agree with pretty much everything he said, that I thought that um, Kathy Bates sort of overshadows James Caan quite a lot. I don't know if he, I don't know if James Caan's a well-known actor or not, or whether she's the most well-known out of the two of them. Funny Corleone, and he died at like two weeks ago too. <laughs> I saw he died two weeks ago, but never clicked on who he was. Still, 
I never watched two favourite films ever. But he was on before. But um no, she plays the character so well. Um whenever she was on the screen, I was just glued to it. And I think although you can see what's coming as a viewer, you could see how he was sort of lured in to begin with and think that he's just looking after it. wasn't it wasn't as if I was watching it thinking it's so obvious she's not looking after you and so obvious she's gonna do something to you. And obviously, because he's that helpless, he's no he's no way out, even if he tries, obviously, as the film progresses. But at the start, he's you're not gonna be thinking, you you were gonna be a bit doubtful if somebody's got you in their in their house, but you're just gonna take their word for it and just assume that they're looking after you instead of them being a psycho, I guess, or whatever whatever <laughs> way you want. I don't know what you would call call hey, Annie in the film. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's a better word for it, though. That's what I mean. <laughs> Unhinged. Aye, that's not a better word. As, um, I also like the sheriff's character in it. I thought he was quite funny, and there was a bit of like light humour between him and his wife in the small scenes that they were in, so it wasn't just constant about um, Paul and Annie throughout the film, which I think would have made me not enjoy it as much, because, as Daniel Wright points out, it's a really simple story, but there is a bit of light heart heartedness as the film goes on too. Um, in terms of Sledgehammer Ankle, that didn't really bother me. I thought, like, when I saw it happening, I was kind of just, it was quite ridiculous, I thought, so it made me laugh more than maybe in a sick way. Do you know what? I feel like I've got this um, Mandela effect with the, the the scene where he gets his ankles out. I felt like when I've watched this before, it, like, zoomed right into it and you see it close up, whereas this was out and then you never seen the second one. I feel like I watched a, a more in-depth one of that before. How do you mean it you might seen the second one? You didn't see her going with the sledgehammer a second time. So, in the, so when she breaks his ankle first, I feel like when I very first watched this movie, the camera had panned, like, all you could see was the ankle in the block and it going round. It was a lot more in your face. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that's me just imagining it through the years. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I felt like maybe it's because we were younger when we watched it and it felt more shocking at the time. Because um, I, I was the same as you. In my mind, it was a lot more gruesome than it seemed this time. This seemed to be played down a bit. Sorry, Burnsy, didn't tell you. That That's was just right. my... Um, I, the, the only bits that I sort of didn't enjoy of the film was like the fight for, between Paul and Annie was a bit gruesome to me. Um, there was just that much blood and... It just went on a wee bit too long for me. Uh, apart from that, though, I thought it was, <clears throat> I thought it was really good. Um, obviously, when you sort of when you see Paul sort of figuring out what she's like as a person through like all the newspaper clippings and stuff, that gives you a bit more background. Without instead of somebody coming on and telling you what happened, I thought that was quite a good way of illustrating it. And in terms of what Daniel said about the end, it never really crossed my mind until. I didn't really like the ending because it just, like you say, it just skips 18 months and it's like, right. Well, I just thought about this instead. Like, they could have had, I don't know if his, I don't know if the sheriff's wife knew that he was going there or not. You could have had her turn up at the door or something or, and then seen her husband being shot. I guess to like close it and then you wouldn't have had to just skip 18 months into the future and then you don't really know what's happened after that point whatsoever. Um, but it was really, it's definitely enjoyable. Um, I, probably go back and watch it again and it's probably up there with one of my I don't know, maybe not top 10 but definitely one of my fav- more favoured ones that we've watched so far That's interesting 
for, for a, a 90s movie, Bonesy Dove, that affecting you without any any pregnancy or three-way relationship that was going on, that's quite a big deal. They sort of hinted at that. You could tell that Annie wanted Paul, though, so maybe that's why it got... <laughs> No, as Daniel said, yeah, was a three way because obviously she had two different sides to her personality, so maybe it was a, a technical three way in there. There's a uh, horror, there's no every female have split personalities. I there was that day. <laughs> Sorry, Laura. <laughs> Sorry, Laura. <laughs> Daniel, we'll note down the time and we'll clip that one, right. <laughs> And you can just uh, play it till any time you do anything in the future. Exactly. <laughs> Should we, well, we, can, we can call the episode that, and then you'll definitely listen. <laughs> just right, I'm, I'm, I've got so, so far, I've got written down is I don't know if James Khan is a big actor. <laughs> this is why we get so much hate on Instagram, it's because we're fucking idiots. Like. <laughs> I think but we should. It's only, it's only me last week that got a lot of hate. You were all right. I took the heat off Sean massively too. Well, I think we might see the turn of the comment corner this week uh, to see some of the abuse you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was... uh, I can back myself. People are just. <laughs> uh, there was, people don't like everything. Like, why can they not get it through their thick skulls? It's embarrassing sometimes. You could see a rant for Sean building up the other day. <laughs> It's funny, it's when you look at, obviously we score movies and we obviously, it would be quite funny for us to come on and try and give like a critical analysis of a movie rather than an opinion or like our feelings from it because we kind of all unanimously liked Warrior. Obviously the score up more for a personal thing. Um, One of the more liked movies that we do, two comments. Alien had two massively high scores, a couple low scores, and then Burnsy's ridiculous low score, 46 comments. <laughs> people just fucking, people were that that negative that when they see something, they're like, they'll jump on it. They'll, they'll look at Warrior and they'll go, yeah, I agree with that, but they'll just leave it. They're sad, wee, pathetic lives. They need to go in and fucking give their tuppence worth. It's no welcome. <laughs> no, it is welcome. I like it. <laughs> the comments are interesting, but guys, just rest assured, this none of the the scores are predetermined or discussed between us. We don't do this for any kind of like any to get any backlash. Burnsy didn't like Alien, so fucking what? It is what it is. These these weirdos on here didn't like Star Wars. Do you mean what? The, what the fuck do they know? But Sean, take it away with your thoughts on Misery. Uh, I, I'd never seen it before. Well, to be honest, I hadn't, I hadn't even heard. I wasn't even aware of it uh, until it popped up. But uh, I, I thought it was uh, really good as well. That's fairly just kind of echoing what Daniel and Birdie have said. I was quite glad that it kind of got into the, the crash straight away and she was revealed to be an absolute fucking f- fruit loop straight away as well. She snapped up pretty early on. So you never really had that kind of build up to him try to figure it out which I think in this case I know in other films it maybe would have worked better that way but in this case I thought it was done really really well uh, she was really really good in it again sorry I'm absolutely terrible with names uh, but she was absolutely brilliant like proper made me really 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 dislike the character and stuff like that which is obviously what you want uh, when you're watching the film you want to buy into it and stuff uh, <laughs> A couple of wee things 
that just kind of like makes me think after like after the crash she's just fucking absolutely no bother just fireman carried him away from it <laughs> in treacherous conditions and about eight foot of snow like it's hard enough to walk in the snow like going to the shops never mind where a full grown adult man over your shoulder <laughs> uh, <laughs> also like when the when the wee old policeman like obviously he goes into the shop and kind of confirms his suspicions when he finds out that she's been buying typewriting paper like why does he know like go with somebody else like, if, like he is basically convinced that that's that she's either holding him there or she's had him in the house or whatever just any normal practicing policemen would go with backup they wouldn't just go themselves and I feel like that happens quite a lot in films and I know why they do it because obviously it's drama and stuff like that but it's pretty unrealistic I mean I don't even think that policemen are allowed to go themselves so don't know how that, that but that, those two minor things aside I thought it was really good they built the tension pretty well a few kind of moments where I kind of turned away like a game like the older I get like I just pure wince at the sight of blood now, like it's ridiculous. It's, it seems to be getting worse as well. Like I was, I sat down and I was eating my pasta dinner and I was like, I had to pause it like at the start of like during the crash when he was in the car and he's like face with blood. I was like, I can't eat when I'm watching that. So I had to pause the film because I'm that much of a fucking Jesse that I can't eat my dinner when there's a bit of blood in the telly. <laughs> uh, and obviously the bit with the, Sledgehammer. I didn't actually know that they didn't show his foot at the second time because I turned away. Because it was just, I actually thought his foot fucking fell off when she had it the first time. The I thought that, that day, I, you can maybe tell it was like a prosthetic foot that impact. It definitely went flying. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I, it was really good to summarise and enjoyed it. Maybe the, the foot comes off differently in the book, Daniel, does it not? What do you mean? Is the book not? Uh, does she not use an axe in the book? Aye, so he's like, um, basically, he's, it's more mutilation than just like hit with a hammer. But I smashed him with an axe instead of a hammer. Oof. It's made that. Up. <laughs> that wasn't the bit. That was in the my trivia that I'd done because I had no faith in Hunter doing his trivia. But Hunter, another, before. I was going to say another thing for the book. Like, see the bit where she talks about the bits that the cinema she used to go every week to see like that we how when she doesn't like the book mm-hmm. that bit is like so fucking intense when you're listening to it because it goes on for ages and she describes like how she felt and everything in the lead up to it and how the book let her do and in the book as well you see the actual book he's writing it goes like all the way into the story of that and i'm glad to cut all that out of the film because it would have made the film absolutely shite like mm-hmm. uh, i just think like Obviously, try to put yourself in his shoes at that point. He is absolutely helpless in this whole scenario with an absolute crazy fanatic. And I'm sure there's um, more on review movies fanatics out there for Burnsy and Sean that would do the exact same to they two. <laughs> Silence. That's exactly what I expected. Hunter, let's come to you with your, your thoughts. Right. Uh, I am just going to have to echo everything that's been said so far. Uh, I... Fairly, fairly, very much enjoyed this. Um, I was getting like proper um, the shining vibes at the start. I don't know if it was just like the remote location, like obviously being set in the snow, obviously, but being Stephen King as well, it was just kind of 
set I had that that was the set of tutorials that kind of like sort of bought into it very uh, quickly. Well, obviously it's been touched on already, and I'm kind of stealing a bit of my own trivia for a uh, change here. But obviously, Kathy Bates winning the best actress performance for us, and that's fucking well deserved. And I don't know, hopefully, Kyle, maybe you've dug up who she was up against that year, but I thought it was well deserved. That was absolutely truly outstanding performance, considering she was fairly unknown at the time when she was casting us and delivered a performance like that. Is got to be a round of applause. Has got to be given for that. Because but been touched on obviously the tension that builds up. You you see how uh, mentally unstable she is as a person. Um, the obviously I mean, first of all, I remember thinking at first I was like, how the hell does she know exactly what injuries he's got with him being in a hospital? But then as you find out the story and he, when he goes right about the house, and then you find out that she's basically an Uno reverse Hal Shipman, where she's a female who kills young children rather than being a guy who killed old folk. That was it. And then you realise, oh, that makes sense now. Um, and as I said, that builds up. I even the the, the fight. I thought that was quite believable because I mean, you could tell how. Don't use the word crazy because it's two thousand twenty-two. But she would probably fancy herself. She was that angry towards him at times because of a maybe a split personality that it would come to blows. And obviously, he's been cooped up in there for what probably months, even though it's still teaming down the snow outside, it probably has been months. Obviously, he's missed so much. He obviously touched on the word, but it was his daughter's birthday and whatever. He would be that, obviously, ready to go. Thank you, you've been cooped up for that length of time as well, that I would come with proper blows. And again, I, I, I really thought I'd kind of somewhat your bones. I just thought of it at the time, but there would have been a better way to end it. Maybe even if I'm just getting out, just seeing him escape the house, maybe. Like, Maybe even just pulled it. And that's it. We didn't need that, as you said, Daniel. That uh, whole meeting, eighteen months. I did nothing to the story. It could have. There was a better way to end it. I would agree. But that aside, I still fairly enjoyed it, and I would recommend this to anyone who's wanting something a bit different for the usual watch. Just to add on to what you said, Hunter. Is I forgot that obviously mentions his daughter, and I can't mean does he got a wife or has he just got? A, I don't know if he's got a wife, but like they mention his daughter a few times, and then you think she would maybe care what's happened to her dad and that's just I know it was just like it was the agent was like the only one that seemed to have some sort of uh-huh. interest at the start when he first went missing he gets declared dead remember yeah. sorry he gets declared dead remember oh aye sorry. so oh sorry aye yeah but before that point it's as if nobody cares he's missing really no there was a massive police search and all that and then, aye, they... but then obviously aye. the sheriff says the sheriff says I don't think he's dead. So he's obviously got his suspicions, but he just keeps to himself, which was an odd weird thing. You'd think if you were involved, you wouldn't just keep it. Maybe maybe that's how, maybe they're just worried about it. It's maybe one of those scenarios where he the, the sheriff's been told, right, he's deaf or dead. And he, like, it's just sitting as an underlying thing that doesn't sit with him, but Mostly, he's not yeah. anything to act on it with. And it's obviously clearly having just his wife that worked in the police there anyway. There's nobody else there. He does mention about how at the car door, as if because of how the car door was opened or something, he says that somebody's clearly helped him get out because of the um, damages on the car or something. I think it was like the dents in the car. I can't really remember what his words were, but he, he had evidence for it. It wasn't just a, a uh, thought that he had. There was something uh, behind it. Again, they've taught, it's hard to show quite a lot of it in the film, but the idea is that um, he's like a small town cop old man one right the only cop in town and they've no, none of the actual main cops superior to them anyway i mean like right. he's not given any sort of 
believability to him. So right. he's, and like like Kelly says, he's just got it in the back of his mind this whole time that Son mm-hmm. isn't quite right. Yep. Definitely something not quite right there. Hunter, let's come to some of your trivia that you've got. But because I've done the work this week, I'm also going to see if uh, anything mine has been yeah, missed. So, yours. so I'll go through it now. Obviously, so I, I touched on this already that Kathy Bates won the Best Actress Oscar, but that was actually the film's only Oscar nomination that year. Um, so James Cairn was also not the director's first choice for the film. In fact, I'll list the folk who turned it down here, which was or turned down slash considered Robert Redford, uh, Warren Beatty, William Hurt, Richard Dreyfus, and it says several others, which also included Bill Murray, Dustin Hoffman, who also turned it down as well because it was violent. It's um, quite a few. So I, this, I did find this was quite interesting. So uh, Stephen King firstly refused to speak about his motivations for writing Misery. And for 20 years after it came out, he finally came out that it was indeed about his battle with substance abuse. Um, Kathy Bates' character is a representation of his dependency on drugs and what it did to his body, making him feel alone and separated from everything. And then the hobbling away was any attempts he made to escape it. I thought that was quite a good mm-hmm. analogy of it when I'd read that. Apparently at one screening also, uh, Stephen King was enjoying the film so much that he actually <laughs> yelled, watch out, she's got a gun during the film's climax. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Stephen King himself. <laughs> um, just to jump in and add a couple of little bits of trivia that I spotted on there, Hunter, as well, is that James Cann accepted the lead role after Jack Nicholson turned it down. So, but Cann previously turned down Nicholson's Oscar winning role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow. So, it, how funny both movies could have been so different with those two actors playing in different roles. I know. Um, Misery was almost turned into a Broadway play um, and the actress to play Annie Wilkes was one that she beat for the Oscar that year which was Julia Roberts oh no so keep, uh, Stephen King vetoed the idea because Annie in his words is a brawny woman who can sling a guy around not a picture yeah that wouldn't, even for me that wouldn't work and then obviously hump him through uh, 8 feet snow in her shoulder too. Yeah, but however in <laughs> 2015, a Broadway adaptation was ultimately produced to critical and commercial success, starring Bruce Willis as Paul Shelton. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and uh, the, the main thing that I seen about um, Annie Wilkes' character is that Bette Mil- Midler turned it down because she thought it was too violent, but she later called this a stupid decision. I was going to say, see, before this, was Kathy Bates known more for, like, comedy parts and stuff like that, I'm sure. I think this this was, like, a completely different thing for her. Um, I think she was more of a sort of comedy actress before this. It's going to take me far too long to scroll down in 1990 to see that. Um, what, what should be in, but then... If only we were prepared for that type of stuff. But it says here, oh, yeah. Ka- Kathy Bates was reportedly disappointed with the movie because one scene that got cut was when she kills a young police officer by repeatedly rolling over him with a lawnmower. Ah, a lawnmower. <laughs> I've got to look at that. Apparently it was cut because they thought the audience would laugh at it. And Bumsy's reaction, they have just <laughs> kept the point. <laughs> they know their target. <laughs> yeah, so I think they've pretty much nailed on um, 
on this movie. It is quite good. It is one of those ones. Stephen King does do some amazing books as well, so fair play to Daniel for reading it. Um, I, it's someone that someone that I feel like I could read more books of. I think I've read the same books as Stephen King two or three times. I've read it a couple of times, and I can never remember the exact date of the of the other book that I've read a few times. But what's the date, Daniel? You'll know off your head. Um, Eleven twenty-two sixty-three. Yeah, I've read that two or three times. I think. That's excellent. Like my issue is with them that I fall asleep listening to them and then I miss like three or four chapters and never get back to where that is. So I'll, <laughs> I'll miss it big chunks in the middle of the book. It's funny. Fair play, fair play. Well, let's get to scoring this movie, but we're going to shoot to Sean first because he's been quiet a little bit. This is quite late tonight, though, guys. Typically past Sean's bedtime. So let's see if he's still with us. The silence is appreciated, Sean. Uh, I'm going to give this a four. Nice one, nice one. Hunter? 4.25. 4.25. Daniel? Hunter Alliance, 4.25. Burns it? I'm with Sean with a four. And I'm also with you and Sean on a four as well. What a... A really superb score, actually, for, for, for us. Usually we've got one person that scores at a 0. 0.5. So zero interactions, we'll never get in the socials for this, because we've scored the movie <laughs> very fairly. That's it. Once we're all in agreement, nobody cares. <laughs> what does that do to overall score, Burns? 4.1. Right. A 4.1. And people think they'll be shit over movies quite a lot, right? And we get a lot of stick for it, but a 4.1, and considering we're scoring out of five, it's not even a top 20. Wow. So 4.1 is joint 23 with Moneyball. It's fair. How many Instagram comments do you think this post will get? Um, we'll get the five straight away that say DM to promote, DM to promote, DM to promote, DM to promote. <laughs> stay comment on the positive scores. Give them that. No, oh, yeah. We should maybe keep those comments down instead of deleting them so that um, we've got some interactions going on the good posts. <laughs> oh, they're annoying. <laughs> well, listen, that... 20, 23, uh, just behind White Men Can Jump, Jaws, Home Alone, Die Hard, just in front of The Batman and Rush Hour 2. Very good movie, would be highly recommended by the morons, definitely worth a watch. Um, before we jump on to the next movie, which is Fury, we just wanted to remind you guys a little bit about our socials as well. Um, Instagram is one that you'll get the most interactions from. Uh, it's Morons Reviewing Movies, all one word. Jump on there, give us a follow, um, get interacted. You will speak to Daniel. He's very, very vocal on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, you won't get as much chats. I'm just as bad as Sean was when it came to Twitter. Um, <laughs> you, you might, I might check it once a week. Um, but please give us a follow, share our page, uh, and like any of the stories that we put up. We'd be greatly appreciated. Also, before we jump onto Fury, guys, is there anything we wanted to add in, talk about, throw in, off the, off the cuff? Books that we've read? Well, I feel like I'm doing a bumsy this week. They're my current reading choice is Peter Schmeichel's autobiography. 
<laughs> At least that'll be worth reading, no Stephen Gerrard fish. I have already four chapters in, there's two league titles one, so I'll get I am um, I, I read Paul Scholes' autobiography when it came out when he first retired. And um the the morning or the day that I finished it, it says at the end of his book in the last like word, I don't know if I've made the right decision. Something along that lines. He doesn't know if he's made the right decision to retire. And it was announced that afternoon that he was making his like comeback out of retirement. So it was like really good timing for me reading the book. It was like, oh fuck, I wish I never retired. And then he came back. Probably just did it so he could write another book. Hey, good to cash in on those peas, boys. Cash in on those peas. That's like the football and the equivalent of Mick Foley. That happened to me. I read his book and he was like, <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I'd never come back. And then he came back. <laughs> Well, Vince McMahon is gone. Let's get a wrestling chat going on then, guys. Vince McMahon is gone. Do you think the wrestling's going to get any better? Aye. That brings the end to that conversation. (laughs) It's going to add in. Uh, The more interesting bit is talking about Vince McMahon and what he's done and, like, how mad it is. Like, it's crazy. I think think a lot of people, though, it was as if there were stories... Well, everyone thought there was going to be stories, I think, throughout us, but you just didn't think they would ever come out. Whereas now obviously we've started and then you'd imagine there's going to be loads and loads and more stories that do come out. I've still got a feeling that we spoke just briefly that he's still going to, I think he's still going to be pulling the strings away anyway. His daughter's running the show, you know what I mean? So. I don't know what it is that's happened to him. God, Phil, somebody fell short him what Vince McMahon's been up to. There's, so there's multiple things. Um, one of them was so there's women on his staff that he was having sex with right? and they would get double the salary of someone else doing the same job, right? Um, remember, they've got, they're a publicly traded company, so they've got shareholders, so you kind of just give folk money because you're shagging them. Um, and there was other women on staff that he paid off, like, millions, but to keep quiet after he'd also been shagging them. Um, and one of them was a, an ex-wrestler. We've tried to figure out because of the date they got released, and it's either Molly Holly or Ivory. Um but is that how we had it? I didn't think we had this. I didn't think we managed to do as well as that. That's quite good for us. In the story that came out, it told you when they were released for their concert. Right. So I looked it up. It could only be either Molly Holly or Ivory. So anyway, one of them had some sort of. It was very inappropriate, um, and she got paid like a couple of million dollars to be quiet about it. Listen, after one, a bit too little, I think. Right. After one, I'm shocked that the guy who made the storyline of molesting another woman in front of his drugged wife in the middle of the ring has been having sexual relations with his staff. That has shocked me to my core. <laughs> but also the same man that wanted the story of um, his daughter to be having a baby that he was going to be the father of. And then, which you didn't like that, he suggested that it should be his son that was the father to his daughter's kid. It's okay, Fabe. Okay, Fabe. <laughs> so there you go, Sean. Uh, Vince McMahon has paid millions and millions and millions through the nose because he's been having affairs. Short collar. Watch us getting shut down when Vince McMahon listens to this and takes us to court. <laughs> well, Vince. Right, if you just add us to the list of many other people he's got to pay off. <laughs> Vince, we, a few of us have just put money in your pocket if we're going to fucking Cardiff, Clash at the Castle, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Shit name, eh? Is there a castle in Cardiff? Probably. 
I think I read something. It was like 20 miles away the castle. Generic. The Americans will think that like Wales and Scotland, like people still live in castles and Scottish people still cut couch day to day and all that. That's what <laughs> like every single Welsh person has a sheep. <laughs> Just for pleasure purposes. <laughs> well, before we go into talk about sheep shagging in Wales, let's jump on to Fury as the next movie on our list. Um Let's have a look. Fury out in 2014, a, a two hours and 14 minute long movie, quite a long one for us. A grizzled tank commander makes tough decisions as he and his crew fight their way across Germany in April 1945. Director David Ayer, who directed such amazing films as Bright, starring Will Smith, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but let's talk about Fury first of all. Let's come to Burnsy. I'm going to ask you the question again, Burnsy. Was this a first-time watch? As you know, I don't like war films, so this was a first-time watch. First-time watch. Well, listen, some amazing actors in this, like Shia LaBeouf, which will be good to talk about. So let's get your thoughts and feelings on this movie. Aye, so when this one was picked, I was a bit disappointed because, as I've just said, I'm not a fan of war films. Um, and I think I've scored everyone quite low. Um or any sort of films that are based on the past, like quite a far time in the past. Um, so I was going in sort of dreading it, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> I think um, I think for me, you see, because the film was obviously set, like, what's that, 80, 80 years ago or whatever, also during World War II, is that if it, was, if it was directed back then, then it would have scored far lower. Whereas I think because it's done f- fairly recently, it did help my enjoyment for it, and it kept me interested for the last period of the film as well. Uh, Brad Pitt was good as usual, and I think the other guy who's called who plays Norman is that Logan. Some death can't remember. Um, he was also quite decent. I thought I don't know if he's I don't know if he's a well known actor or not. You could be laughing at me here again. He's in the same um, category as James Caan, is he? Hi. <laughs> um, but I think the reason why I did enjoy this a lot more than all the previous war films is I didn't feel myself getting lost at any stages. I think the only th- only times I did get lost was like when there was quite a lot of the crew. I couldn't really remember their names and what their reactions had been at certain scenes and things like that. Um, but you did feel as if you went on a bit of a journey with Norman, how obviously arrives and he's not got any experience and he's obviously really worried about shooting people and all that kind of stuff. And obviously his confidence grows the time he spends with Brad Pitt and sort of understands well he probably knew what he was getting into at the very start but obviously realises it is like life or death and you need to actually just shoot people when you see someone instead of being concerned about it to an extent I think too is that when they obviously have the interactions with the woman and her cousin how there's a bit of instead of just being constantly just about the war there is some scenes that are out with that which helps for me and so that just been two hours just constant about fighting, planning, moving to different areas and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously the guys, the other crew members that went and that was disgusting how they were around the woman or her cousin 
Um, but so they were just assholes, really, weren't they? The rest of the crew, apart from really Brad, uh, I was going to say Brad Smith, because <laughs> you were talking Brad about Smith? Will. <laughs> we Australian left back making an appearance in here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Liverpool, the brain you've got. Just, 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 uh, just to add a little bit of Burnsy to you, talk about that scene, that whole scene in that room where um, the Punisher and the, the guy for Ant Man come in. That, that was probably, the, for me, the best scene in the movie, though, because it shows you the, the ugly side of what's technically the good guys. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, so many war movies that you watch and you see Germans are bad, UK and America are good, and these are heroes and they're good people. Um, but this actually shows you that, do you know what, these are just some evil men, some evil men that like to kill people and like to be horrible and... They're talking about like, oh, you've you've been with her, so pass her around like she was an object and stuff. It was just mm-hmm. what I thought was really good about the whole scene is it made you so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. even yeah, though they like they respected Brad Pitt's character and they listened to him. And when he put his foot down, they put his foot down. But even then, he didn't intervene as often as I hoped he would, because I'm like fucking. Get all over that, like, deal with that situation. You're their leader, but you wonder how much horrible... Aye, but you mind at that point, even before they came in, before Logan went and slept with the last he basically says, if you didn't go there, I'm going to do it. So it kind of mm-hmm. shows you his way of thinking at that point. I think... Uh, you go. I was just going to say, what I took from that was it was sort of showing you what war does to people. I think it sort of shows you that it sort of takes your humanity away a wee bit. Like and Norman hadn't quite got there yet. I mean, he don't, he was new to it, but they they were you sort of do everything you sort of feel you need to, to survive. And to them, probably that's the only bit of the lease they get for weeks. Then they're back in the fucking tank, like through the grind of the day. Obviously, it's not making what they've done excusable, but I think it's trying to show that it probably made everyone into most people into horrible people because of the circumstance they were in. I suppose. Yeah, and it, it just highlights what's so interesting about this movie is it shows you that ugliness of the so the ally side of it. Um, yeah, can I sums it up in that in that scene for me, Bonzi? Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's cool. It's like I think you explained it quite well because although I said it was disgusting, obviously I mean in terms of the other other guys, but I thought it was actually it was a really good. Um, good idea to sort of let you see what people could be like um as daniel was pointing out i think as well what helped him is like when i was at school as i was um quite interested in world war ii and things like that it was obviously like it wasn't giving you an overview it obviously was just based on this this one group and some of their struggles which i think was better in terms of because if you had a, a lot bigger cast i would have just got completely lost to who was who um and as I said earlier, it felt as if you were on a sort of journey with uh, Norman and how he ends up sort of changing really more to like what Brad Pitt's character is as as it goes forward. And I don't know if um, when Daniel was saying about whether whether he thinks that Norman would have ended up turning into what these other guys were like who just came across as really arseholes really in terms of how they were acting towards these women that they've obviously just met. and 
I know what Daniel's sort of saying is like maybe that's just what they're like because I haven't been around anyone, but like, there's no excuse for that. So um, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think it's not going to be something that I would go back and watch because, but in a good way, this is definitely not a film that I would have ever like saw and turned on. As soon as I saw like War Film, I'd be like, no, no chance I'm watching that. So yeah, it was it was decent enough, and I think the film does, unlike um, unlike the previous film, is it does actually have a fairly decent ending in terms of how uh, Norman hides and obviously Brad Pitt's character like saves him. Oh. I thought that I don't think there's anything really wrong with the ending to an extent. I think that was probably quite well done. And I guess another thing was is that instead of just the Americans all surviving how it was only one person that did survive instead of being like, oh, everyone was fine. I think it was it was quite good how they went down that route and made it obviously look at what the, the Germans did sort of obviously kill so many. Kill so many. I, know, I know they killed a lot, many, a lot of Germans before it got to that stage, but if it was just that all of them survived or whatever, it would have been a bit boring, whereas they went down a route of only one person surviving, which was definitely a good route to go down, I think. Do you know what's interesting about you saying there, Burns? I would like wholeheartedly disagree with the ending. I would say that the first seventy percent of this movie is great, and the ending shit. Like, I actually annoyed me that we had a hero ending, and that Norman gets taken out and told he's a hero and stuff. Those they all should have died fairly quick, fairly soon, and that be the end of the movie. We didn't need to have Brad Pitt getting shot ten times to then. What, what made me laugh about it is Brad Pitt goes from standing at the back to being shot to somehow being in the middle of the the hole to go down and then getting shot another three or four times before he drops down and then he has a whole speech and a story and he saves his life and they get out. I just felt that the way that the movie was structured, it was letting you see that the, the allies themselves weren't always going to be on top for every single scenario. So having them have that issue with the tank at that point there and then get murdered or get killed, like that would uh that would have been a, a better ending for me than the whole build up to having a hero um and Norman climbing out. I did quite like this the, the part though when he's lying underneath it and then the other young guy from the German side sees him. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously a really young person who may be new to it, who doesn't have that instinct in him to kill and murder people, that gave this young naive boy the benefit of the doubt underneath the underneath the tank. But I I, I did like I, I like the, the the contrast between Norman's character and the rest of the team because if you think this was April nineteen forty five, which is a few months before the end of the war, and if all those people, the Punisher. Guy Fiat Man and Brad Pitt have been doing it for years since. They would be a lot more numb to what's actually going on. So they would be like that. And there were so many scenes that made me feel emotional, man. See the scene where he's telling Norman to shoot the boy in the back. And the guy's waving pictures. I've got a family, I've got this. Because you've got to got to think of it as these are all just like random guys with random families that have been forced in to fight someone else's war, right? We can see this in 2022 that wars are usually political things that happen and men fight the battles for them. So Norman to be held in the whole experience, everyone sitting around Brad Pitt's character not saying anything, standing there watching this, some people smiling and cheering on 
for Norman to shoot this, what would be an not an innocent German at that point, but he he had, he had gave up. He had waved his white flag. He wanted to become a prisoner, and they shot him in the back as well. I just I thought that was so fucked up, man. And I, it's hard to picture and imagine it in twenty twenty two that if someone sat you on a floor and put a gun in your hand and made you shoot somebody, whilst all your peers celebrated it. Like that's it's so mm-hmm. so creepy. I mean, but, you've got to remember, like things like that were happening not even that long ago. Too. Remember all the pictures for the Iraq War, where all the British soldiers and all that were basically taking all the pictures with the folk that they'd captured, or like pissing on them and whatever else. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not just a thing that was happening back then; it was still happening to an extent in the not so recent history as well. Trophies, essentially, that's what they're regarding them as, rather than treating them with any shred of humanity but again is that because they've seen colleagues and friends being shot they just see the enemy regardless of whatever that's just a, the enemy regardless of the, the human emotion attached to that I think it, I mean, it, it, comes, it comes into your individual beliefs and stuff as well Like I, I've always been one and actually me and Daniels had this conversation years and years and years ago where I couldn't imagine holding a gun like, to me, that's so fucking alien. Like, holding a gun, even going clay pigeon shooting or, like, pretend shooting and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I don't understand the need to hold something like that to which has the opportunity to take someone's life. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother. I, would, I wouldn't do it. But trying to put yourself in those shows in 1945, you're in your early 20s and you've been handed a gun, stuck there, go away, you're going to be in a mm-hmm. tank and you're going to kill loads of people in front of you that you don't know, they've all got their own stories and their individual lives, you're just going to take their lives from them. Because when I read the trivia for it, that last scene where you see the tank and all the people lying around, there's a hundred German around that tank. Like a hundred guys just died. To be fair, those ones were the SS, so they are the evil bastards. They all deserve to die. They were those ones. The ones that were hanging everybody. Ah, They were disgusting bastards. I'm glad they all died. But Joe, I'm not the overly biggest fan of war movies, but actually, I found myself sitting in the shoes of Norman's character the whole way through this. Like, I felt myself being like, "What would I be like if someone was to chat my door and fire a fucking uniform on me and hand me a gun and walk walk out? I'd be fucking pissing myself and crying at the corner. I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know if I'd have the balls to actually deal with any of it. Same, I absolutely. I... Mm-hmm. But... I'm, I'm with you. Like I, 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 I did very much enjoy this, and I think what I like about this most is of all the war films we've watched, or I've watched even, this felt very like it felt real. It felt like this is what it would have been like. It didn't feel glamorized in any way. Like they were fucking dirty. They were fucking had a miserable time. Like they never, and it never ever felt like it was over the top or anything like that. Um, the acting performances are brilliant in this. Like, John Bernthal was amazing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Shia LaBeouf, I think, in real life has got some issues, but um, I think he's amazing in this. I think he's a standout in this for me, actually. Um, there's something about him that his character, he's just fucking class, I think. Just to jump it down, see if I hadn't seen Punisher, I would have said John Bernthal was the best, but he plays the character he plays in Punisher. No, he's very different for Punisher, but it's, I, I understand, I suppose, uh, he's I, somebody for the war that's got fucking, 
PTSD, I suppose. But um, you kind of take the perks away from fucking Norman, who who's, he's Percy Jackson. Come on, he's a superhero. No, he's good. They're all good. And I think that's what makes this. Every, every one of the main five actors do a great job in this. Um, and that's what makes the movie for me. Normally, I'm not into battle scenes and stuff like that. Like, I usually get fucking bored. Um, but there was something quite intriguing about, like, the tank and, like, the tactics and seeing how they had to do it. Like, I found that that sort of made me a lot more interested in it than normally um, in war movies. The battles are just, like, a big fucking mashy explosions and folk going... Ah, and falling beside the side. This was a lot more interesting to watch. Oh, my cat just brought a dead mouse into my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's give Daniel a little break at the moment. We'll come to Sean while Daniel goes and deals with his dead mouse. Uh, I I went to the pictures to see this when it first came out, but this was the first thing I've watched it since. So I could remember bits and bobs it, but... Uh, it was an enjoyable second watch for me. Like, as, as Daniel says, this is like a... Isn't it like your typical kind of war film? It is a bit different, obviously because of the tank as well, mainly. Uh, and I'm glad Daniel said about Shia LaBeouf. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He's properly thrown himself into this, and I think he does that with everything. I believe he said he done the the pure like thing where he stays in character, like in and around set for so long, and just like proper lived this character. It was although. I think he does that for quite a lot of these roles now. Listen, I've I've got a few bits of trivia. Hunter may have the same trivia as me, but about oh, right. the trivia for this was all regarded about uh, what types of weapons were used and the Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> there you go. But you're you're spot on. Son. <coughs> ah, he's very very good. Uh, as I was saying, it is a bit of a different war film. Normally, if I think of a war film, I think of Saving Private Ryan, which. Is one of my favourite films anyway, never mind a, a war film. I'm no like a massive fan of like war films. I don't wouldn't say I dislike them, but I think this one is kind of well done. Uh, the tank does add a lot because as Daniel says, it, it's good to see how kind of how they work it. And the end battle, like I actually really enjoyed that. I thought there was bits of bits of the film that could have been left out. Like there was a lot of times like just kind of rolling about in the tank, just endless shots it felt like but that last scene where obviously the I was going to say when the wheel came off the tank when the whatever it's called <laughs> oh no they had a mine wasn't it and it burst oh, out yeah. aye so when that happened and then it, like, you kind of know that like, I think it was like, maybe half an hour left or something so you knew that something was going to happen like, maybe an ambush or something like that but I thought the way it was done was really good just kind of sitting playing possum basically and then waiting for the approach of the tank and then taking them out for there that, like like that, I'm not a big fan of like battle scenes in war films because they can be quite kind of blurry, like just a lot of noise, a lot of like sprayed bullets, like hitting sand or hitting water. Like you can get, it's hard to kind of stay concentrated on it. But I thought this was really well done. I actually really liked it. But ah, it's a good film, uh, and I'm glad that I, I'm, it's nice to have two good films for a change instead of one shit and one good or two shit or whatever. <laughs> The one thing I wanted to say before the I got distracted there um, was I'm in between Burnsley and Kyle in the ending. Um, I did think the ending was a bit just a wee bit over the top. Like I just think if it was if it was maybe half the amount of time, like given to it, and because I still like kill just as many people, but just do it in a lot less time, um, and also 
but I'm with Kyle. I wish the dog sort of maybe died. Okay, they should all die. I, I thought it was fine. Uh, and I liked like when he goes into when he goes under the tank and he's trying to kind of bury his cell in the dirt and the kind of dirt and all that. And then you see the kind of like a similar age German soldier that was that looks at him like it just kind of like they're, they're all just the same. Like they're fighting for fucking because they're told to. Like there's the, the, he looks at him and be, like he's, he's he's not a threat. He's fucking shaking like a leaf. Just leave them. Like, every, they're, they're just fucking. They're just the same. These boys, just for different countries. And, and that's where I well, love well, that. That part was really, really, really good. But I think if if you take, let's say that's thirty minutes that whole scene. That last minute is the only bit that I really enjoyed of that. I think that they could have had them. They were like massive. It's it's one of those things again about a Hollywood movie has to have a hero. It has to have a good ending. It has to have something. So having these four guys or five guys or whatever it was taking down hundreds of German soldiers, I just refuse to believe that that would have happened. Like it seems quite unrealistic in a sense to me. But I just I feel for the way that the character development had gone, it would have made more sense for Norman to get emotion-driven and jump into a gun battle and die that way because he's went from being this little insecure boy that didn't know what to be a part of it and his character developed right the way through it. He became one of the guys and he became like them, so he would have went out the same way as them. I didn't expect him to revert back to the scared little boy that he became mm-hmm. at the end that ultimately saved him. And again, don't take it away, that scene was, I thought that scene was really cool. Um, I just feel like it, for the character development, it kind of fucked it a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Aye. I, I would have preferred him to have died with the, with the pool through, through the tank. Um, aye. It was good. It's still, it's still good. It doesn't take too much away from the film, though. It's an excellent movie. I, I, I feel like I'm really nitpicking on one long scene that I feel like it didn't need, but the rest of it was like absolutely spot on. Hunter? I again, I've kind of got the echoes again, similarly what has been said so far. Um, I can't have us all liking the same movies or two movies, guys. What's going to happen to these Instagram comments? I know we're going to get absolutely we, no hate at all. We're just we're supposed to be doing purpose, guys. For fuck's sake, somebody hate real, it. I'll, I'll give you my real thoughts on this, and then I'll give you like a token score you can chuck on Insta just to get some. Like, <laughs> guys. Aye. Let's get the comments going. There we go. Aye, but again, I like the what I don't get as we touched on yet, but I like the visuals on this. I like the whole that was it was that it was that even though they were in Germany and Naples, I'd imagine it might be nice there at times, but it was always quite dark, even during the daylight. It was really obviously this was meant to be a there was still in a struggle, even though the war was closer to getting won at this point. It was there was no there was nothing joyful, there was nothing happy about this. And I think like the way that the colour settings and some of the scenes um, so I added to that. I thought that was uh, really good. Again, we've touched on it already. Like the character um, development of Norman, I think was uh, excellent throughout. I mean, I kind of have kind of touched on the ending, but the way I was kind of similar to you, Kyle, I thought it was set up perfectly because there's the speech that Brad Pitt gives him. He says, "I started fighting Germany and Africa, and then it was Belgium, and then it was France, and now here we are in Germany fighting them." Is a lot more people will have to die, but the war was getting won and I thought that that was perfectly set up with that line there and kind of touching on sort of Norman's sort of character development I think that would have made sense because I think the minute he became 
almost not not quite a sort of gun toting uh, maniac, but the 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 shy, scared little boy who first arrived on that sort of uh, what do you call it, like the army base, and was thrust into this crew saying, "Now that's who you're working with." He died at some point, even though he was still alive. That little boy did he he had already died at some point during his development without it. So it would, he was never going to be that guy again. So why? Save him. It makes sense even have him die a hero, which he essentially would have done anyway. And again, but I think I find the only thing that sort of gripes me sometimes. I mean, here we are. We're nearly what eighty odd years since it happened, which is still and I shot still mental when you think that's only eighty years ago that this was happening. But it's all it still feels almost like it's propaganda to an extent that it always has to be. We know we know the end. We know the end outcome. Germany got beat. Hitler died whatever else, but why still have, like, there needs to be the hero, like, like of almost propaganda, like, to an extent, that's maybe just my opinion, I know they're not peddling it, but I always just feel like there has, like, there, there, like, there were already heroes to an extent for going out and fighting for their country and whatever else. Again, similar, I mean, I don't know, like, with Shia Booth, I don't ask, it's, it's kind of, I can take him or leave him, I didn't think he was, I think he's, Done better in this. I'm not saying he was bad, but I just I can't take him as a person, and I think that's kind of maybe dilutes my enjoyment of his performances sometimes. But again, I thought everyone else was class, and again, it's not. I think it's again, it's a lot different to the war films that we usually watch. I mean, like you consider it something that's set in the same time, like in Glorious Bastards. I mean, that's good. It's drama. There's a comedic and aspect to that. I mean, it's a great, it's a great watch. And then something that we may watch from next week, which is still to be decided, Dunkirk. Again, similar to this, but again, the way that's shot and the story that tells, again, I'm not to spoil it because I went to the cinema to see it, but that is very enjoyable as well. And I thought that this told a different part that maybe it's that part of the war that we don't normally get to get told or it's not overly dramatised or commercialised. So it was a good it was a good aspect and a different war film, again, to ones I've usually watched. Yeah, well, listen, if we can... Flashback in time, and then I can take Hitler, Hitler out for a drink. We would have sorted all this stuff anyway. when you got shot by him in ten seconds. So sorry, Sean. I said that was absolutely tremendous for Hunter there. That was really, really like that's probably the best speech that we've. I would say that we've had since doing this. I, that was really good. <laughs> Listen, we can't be having all this positivity, guys. I'm going to fucking cut that out of the final recording. When the Germans got beat. There you go. Fire that on Instagram. Let them fucking comment. <laughs> Wonder how many German followers that we've got. Um, but, you know, check it. How many people for Germany listen? One. Have we ever had one? I think we've had more Brazilians than we've had Germans, to be fair. It's probably a Hitler's corpse waiting for that invite for Kyle for a drink. I've had some st- not not from like Instagram or socials, but from actual people that I know that have listened to it that have messaged me and been like, Hitler, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the silence after you said that speaks volumes. That was a one. <laughs> you don't want to know what he was all about. Like just to get inside the mind of the guy to find out what was going on. Why would you want <laughs> why would you give him the time of day? Let alone <laughs> If ever there was enough evidence for what someone was all about, I know. you've got enough. But that's what <laughs> you could just go on Google and find out what he's about. You don't need to ask the cunt. 
Just sit down with him. A couple of cans of tennis, a couple of Jaegers, mate. What the fuck are you playing at? <laughs> nah. Well, listen, I'm going to jump in my trivia first because I just fucking want to, right? Uh, mine is all about Shia LaBeouf and then one about a gun. Uh, and I'm going to steal most of Hunter's trivia here, I can imagine. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf reportedly pulled out his own tooth and refused to shower during the filming of this movie. Uh, the cut on Shia LaBeouf's face was real. He inflicted it himself each time it was necessary to add a layer of realism to his performance. So, so far we've got a guy that's stinking, pulling at his own teeth and cutting himself <laughs> for this film. Imagine, right, sorry to put in here, right, but imagine, like, what was the wee guy's name in the film? Norman. Norman, right. Imagine you're Norman, right, first time you've met Shia LaBeouf, big actors around you and all that, and again, excuse my ignorance, right, but like, I, I'm not sure I can name a lot of stuff he was in or whatever, right? And you're standing next to Shia LaBeouf, who's cut his face, he's got a missing tooth, and he's fucking weaking. And he's in- <laughs> you must just be looking at him going, what the fuck is he doing? Like, and all these other actors who are like, dipping in and out of character and all that, like offset having a coffee and a gat and a fucking chin wag and all that. Shia LaBeouf storming about with a fucking AK-47 that's no loaded in character. That <laughs> mad accent. What if he's no shower? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can understand the dedication to your craft and all that, and you can commend him for it, but like, you, you don't need to not shower. You're still at work. You need to, like, I mean, if I went to my work and I, and I ripped my tooth out and I sliced my face home and I never showered for two weeks, somebody would pull me up about it. <laughs> You're at a call centre and don't be in vain. You'd have to explain to everybody that phoned in. It's just um, I, I, I agree with you, so I think it's stupid. Like, it's maybe acting. You may be pretending that this has happened. That's the whole point. Don't actually make it happen. Do we? Well, he's obviously an unlikable guy because it says here that Shia LaBeouf didn't get along with the cast and crew to the point where he got set up in a nearby bed and breakfast away from everyone else during the filming. Well, I'm I've seen his standards below, that was funny. I mean, yeah. I, I, like this. I, I like the whole dedication to it, right? I just find it weird, like the showering stuff. And, I'm, and I, could, I would just love to be on set he's in that constantly and just see what, how other people are around him. Well, one of the people that was around him at the time was one of the most handsome men in, in movies um, called Scott Eastwood. I don't know if you know who Scott Eastwood is. Um, the son of... Good old man. Fred Eastwood, uh, Clint Eastwood's son Scott, they actually got into an altercation because in Scott Eastwood's character, he was told as part of his role that he had to spit tobacco at the tank, which Shia LaBeouf took as disrespectful and tried to start a fight with him, which Brad Pitt had to hold them, pair, the pair of them apart as Shia LaBeouf was going for him in the middle of the film in this. Oh, how annoying. You can oh, just yeah. imagine, like, John Bernthal and Brad Pitt just having a chat in between scenes, like, how are you getting on? It's like, oh, Dial a Bush doing my fucking head in. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to add to that craziness of Shia LaBeouf is that Shia LaBeouf became a Christian while shooting this movie. His actual words were, I found God during Fury. I became a Christian man and not in the fucking bullshit way, in a very real way. 
man who became a Christian and bullshit wafer. And the last piece of trivia that I've got here before we come to Hunter for his is Sean will appreciate this one and any one of the Call of Duty Warzone uh, fanboys out there. Wait, I thought you were jumping in there, Sean. Um, Brad Pitt shoots several German soldiers with a German-made Sturmgewehrhach 44, which is commonly known as the SG-44, the world's first assault rifle. Did you also, the third time, just in case you didn't hear, did you see Did you see the grease gun? No. Okay, that's fine. Move on. <laughs> Hunter, do you have any different trivia that I've not stolen I've from you there? One piece of trivia that yes! you've not stolen Fucking from you right which was that uh, writer-director David Ayer had the actors fight each other on set before scenes to tighten their bond. A lot of good that done goes absolutely naked, like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> somebody tighten your, if, like, if I get in an argument with somebody, I fucking hate them for weeks. <laughs> How does fight two people tighten your bond? I guess she's not kind of like a good punch up that'll clear the air, though. It just seems to have made things worse. Exactly. Oh. See, just, yeah. just on Shia LaBeouf, right? Because I don't understand where my frustration with Shia LaBeouf comes because. I've seen Wall Street with a minute, and when I watched Wall Street, I hadn't seen the originals. I seen Shia LaBeouf one first, and I quite liked them. And then I seen the originals, and I realised the originals were much better. But everything else that I've seen after that, like Transformers and different movies of he's been in, I just have this frustration towards him. Like, why is he such a knob? Well, he's you know one of those bad bastards in the life. Has he not done something? Do they not beat up his girlfriend or something like that? I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there, there's something that, about him that is the reason why I dislike him. I'm sure they beat his girlfriend up. I'm not exactly on that. Yeah, he was sued in 2020 for sexual battery, assault, and infliction of emotional distress. Was he? And he was probably selling character for a fucking film. Character. <laughs> yeah. When you type him into Wikipedia, he's he's got two separate sections for. Legal issues and abuse allegations. He's got full on sections about that. Aye, bad bastard. There you go. We'll tie him in with some of the other dodgy actors. He might be up there beside Tarantino, Sean. You never know. Uh, maybe I'll need to read up on him and see what he's, uh, see what he's been accused of. There's <laughs> definitely some sort of wrong on the Illuminati in Hollywood that they all sit with different table. He, re- he received a nomination for the Hall of Shame Award for the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. I wonder, I if, I wonder if he turned up to the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to thank myself for God. Well, after some allegations for his abuse, Netflix removed him from an awards campaign that they were doing. So Netflix spat the dummy out with him. Good. Cancel him. Well, Shia LaBeouf apart, who he did actually act quite well in this. He was quite a believable character. What what um again just to just to come back to the movie, that scene again where they're having dinner, right? And I thought Shia LaBeouf's character was the best out of all of them at that table. Where he's got that deadpan look on him and he's challenging Brad Pitt. Like he's really challenging him at this point. Kind of backing up John Bethel's character and challenging Brad Pitt. I thought that was spot on. But my question to you guys, 
could any of you continue to eat an egg after I'd licked both sides of it? Oh. Depends how hungry I was. Mm-hmm. It depends if it was poached or fried. And if you brush <laughs> your teeth just before it, eh? Or if your mouth was up, so as reeking as that boy who hadn't showered in about two weeks. Well, if Shia LaBeouf, with his non-showering antics, had licked your egg both sides and put it no. back in your plate, could you have munched it? Not any chance. Can it be in the same postcode as I've never made like an egg? <laughs> I mean, again, it depends how hungry you are. See, if you've been in the war, you've probably not seen an egg for fucking months. Eating the shitty crackers and that, absolutely would eat it. It, it, it's, a quite, it's an interesting one because obviously it's on the girl's plate, but Brad Pitt in his mind can't have had that woman eat that. He has to swap it and take it off her, which plays into his character, I suppose. Did anyone else get a raging hard on when he was shirtless, or was that just me? But are you into scarring? Like, is that your thing? Brad Pitt, give me <laughs> however it goes. Well, on that note, let's get some scope. Sorry, Sean? Even in Benjamin Button. Uh, there's only certain elements I like him in Benjamin Button, but we'll not go into that. Bit. No, I know the two at the start of the end. <laughs> what a confusing film. <laughs> Hunter, let's score Fury. Uh, 3.75. 3.75. Daniel? A 4.25. Sean? Uh, a four for me, again. Burnsy? 3.25. A 3.25. I'll join Daniel on the 4.25. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. That's a lot of numbers, Burnsy. We will try and pad it a a little bit for you, um, just to work it out. The other thing I was going to mention, too, is for me, the... The fight scenes went on a wee bit too much for my liking as well. So that's why my score's a bit low than maybe what you would have thought. I'm looking forward to the hate. I quite enjoyed it last week. Um, that's overall a 3.9. 3.9. So that'll actually take it down a good chunk in our leaderboard. A 3.9 is above such movies as Schindler's List, Jojo Rabbit, The Warrior... Kill Bill, it becomes joint 28 alongside the fighter. No thoughts, guys, not just pure silence. Thanks for that. Hi. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think that's pretty fair again. And it's again, it's one of these ones. See the high threes. There must be so many of these now. We must have loads and loads of what that's what the middle mm-hmm. of high threes now. The thing is, we've done 143 films guys on this list and there's some movies that we've we've not even added to this that we have watched and i wanted to ask this question because the guy that the guy that directed this was david Dare, and i mentioned this at the start when we started talking about it he directed the film bright remind me was this one that we were asked to watch as part of movie club from a former member jerry did jerry ask us to watch this movie no i mentioned that but he never chose it i can remember he chose power instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. Because I went back, I've watched this movie and I typed it in our group chat to see what was said about it. 
And I've watched it, and I said it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And Daniel replied saying times two, because Di- I know Daniel has watched it. Shite, absolutely shite. I saw that, uh, <laughs> like, it's not hard to get these sort of racist turns good story, which is a weird, always a weird story that happens quite a lot, but it's a racist that sort of sees the end of their ways by doing something with someone from a different race and suddenly they realise they should never have been racist. It's sort of like that, but with humans and orcs. orcs like, but So the orcs are the ones that are being discriminated against. Really well, weird. Yeah. When, when we were looking at some movies at that time, guys, and I just wanted to highlight something that's not actually on our list, but we have all watched. Um, amongst that list of movies, Hunter got the choice of picking a movie for the week. And we watched a movie called Capone. Oh. We spoke about this a few weeks ago as well. We're not watching it again. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I seen that in the chat earlier and I forgot all about it. Capone was one that Hunter had made I had thankfully forgotten all about that until you brought it up there. Well, I think for the next week, um, as a little added extra, that Hunter should go back and watch Capone and give us a one-man band review on Capone for the next week. I've given a sneak preview now. The scores are zero. Yeah, it just it, it, it flew back some memories of me sitting watching this being like what the fuck is why am I watching a guy shit himself for an hour and a half <laughs> him shit himself is the only bit I actually remember for the film <laughs> does anybody remember anything from Capone I don't think I thought it was as bad as all I used for him I think because it was that simple no, simple. I, quite it was, I don't think it was alright I think I'd maybe give it a, give it a one <laughs> it's quite generous. It was up there as definitely one of the worst movies that we've given watched at the time. Um, I'm just I, I've because I've got the chat in front of me. I'm just going to give you some scores. I'll give you some information. A little bit added extra for the for the the people listening. Sean, hard to watch, and I said already nothing happened, and I found myself distracted. One, we watched this the same week as Gangs of New York, Burnsy. It was an easy watch, but nothing happened. I didn't care about anyone in the film at all. One star. Good memory. Um, me, I started us off with, this was a hot steaming pile of what Fonzie put on his bed. What a lot of shite. I'm really hoping I missed the point in this movie, but I had no idea what was happening. Confusing what was real, what wasn't, who the fuck was Tony. I've still no idea. And I put half a star because the cast was good. Nisbet, I want to spend as much time and effort into this as the writers did with his script. It was dog shit. <laughs> Great cast with a garbage story. Half a star. <laughs> Hunter, awful. The re- there was a reason this part of his life was never made into a film. Even having Hardy and as a big name was not good enough to save this. Um, 4.5 of a star. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck was going on with your scoring then, Hunter? <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even know what... That must have been before we did three quarters. I must have just fucking made that up. Yeah. 0.8. <laughs> <laughs> 4.5 of a star. Fair play. Well, listen, guys, that, that's a, it's a late one for us tonight. Um, thank you very much for spending the time. We have got 
uh, two movies in our top 30. We've got a 23rd and a 28th added to the list. Uh, thank you for those that are listening to us on podcast. If you could do us a favour and share or review our podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. We have not begged for that in a couple of weeks now, so I think it's about time that we beg for some some love and some interaction that's not just hate on our uh, on our Instagram page. But that brings us to the end, guys. And I bid you morons farewell. Or feed us in. We didn't spin the wheel. Shit. <laughs> guys, we're not quite finished on the podcast for this week. Let's uh, let's spin the wheel. I'm absolutely choking for the toilet, guys, so I'm desperate to leave you. But let's spin the wheel first. So thank you for those that have stayed. Um, the wheel is spinning because I'm going to piss myself. So I could tell that you suddenly wanted to go like instantly there. Feels like Capone. So the wheel has uh, selected for us trending on Netflix. So we'll have a look at the top 10 movies that are currently trending on Netflix. Add them to our Instagram stories once Daniel gets his finger out and gets our schedule for it properly. <laughs> and then we will uh, select the movie for moving forward. This worked quite well for us, though, guys, before when we did that DiCaprio one. I'm up for this one. This should be good. I think mm-hmm. this should be quite good too. I was hoping we'd land on that one to be honest. At least it won't have any fucking viewing difficulties for this week's next week's one. So yeah. Until it disappears off Netflix a week we're going to watch. <laughs> oh Denny, Denny, Denny. Well, we'll remove that from the list, guys. So trending on Netflix is the next category for it. But before I actually piss myself, the next day we're we're going to finish up there, guys. So thank you very much and goodbye. <laughs> Right, talk amongst yourself for two minutes. Ah, funny, please. Sorry. Right. Right. I'll see you on Saturday, Sean. See you Saturday. All right, catch you later. Yeah, see you. Uh, I knew he had to pitch it or something. Cause it, like, he just went suddenly, like, I need to finish it now. I need, I need to end it. Because <laughs> you never mentioned about the films we're going to watch next week either. I was going to bring that up. I thought he'll actually just be like, that. Nah, shut up, I'm away. <laughs> I should have, oh, I wish I'd thought of that because that would have made him stay for longer. You could tell when he was trying to speak at the end, he was speaking so fast. Like, yeah. oh, it was good to get two good movies. I know, I was quite surprised, especially the war one. I'm glad you liked Misery. Obviously, it wasn't quite as good as I thought you, as much as I thought you'd like it, but I knew you'd like it. I think it, there wasn't anything wrong with it. It was more just that I didn't feel, didn't blow me away, you know what I mean? But I don't think there was any bad points to an extent about it. It's more just good movie. Aye. I think it's more just because of the films that we've actually have watched. If we watched it earlier on, I would have scored it higher, but obviously <laughs> I'm comparing it to what I've done before. I'm starting to that, that doing that quite I'm doing that quite a lot now. Like I'm just I'm thinking more, oh is it actually better than that? Do you mean I have started to school doing the Instagram ones that I've given before and say did I like it more than that and then base my score on that instead of just chucking a random score out. Because like, I didn't think it was as, I didn't think it was as good as twelve angry or it was I can't I got a four angry but a four whereas I gave twelve angry men a four point two five and I liked that more by a fair amount. Sorry I don't speak moron as well as you, but let me try. What the hell is supposed to do, you moron? It's a moron, that's not against the law. Gun! You fucking moron! I stop like Batman. Because he is Batman, you moron. What are you a fucking moron? 
You moron! Drop dead. Moron. Prepare, you morons! Stepping morons like yourself. Me down, you moron! Hey, moron! Bid you farewell and good luck, morons. Bye.